I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. It used to be that in summer, you could walk up to a boat at the docks at Pillar Point Harbor in Half Moon Bay and buy fresh king salmon direct from the source. Last week, the only thing on offer was frozen fish from all the way up in Alaska. California's salmon fishing season is closed, something that hasn't happened since 2009. Fishing businesses are suffering. One fisherman told the Chronicle, we're now in unprecedented times. The fallout from climate change, including drought, ocean warming, and algal blooms, is taking a toll, not just on salmon, but on Dungeness crab populations. Fishers are concerned that the upcoming crab season could be shortened again. As a result, the $200 million California fishing industry could be in existential trouble. Fishermen have struggled for a long time. But this, they told Chronicle reporter Tara Duggan, feels different. She's here to explain why that is. Tara, thanks for joining me. Great to be here. You talked to one second-generation salmon troller, Dan Snell, and he said his income is down 90%. What did he tell you about his business, what's causing that downturn, and how out of the ordinary this is? Yeah, well, the main thing right now for Dan and many, many other California fishermen is the lack of a salmon season. And commercial salmon season usually runs from May to October or so in California. And it was closed completely this year because of predictions that there weren't enough salmon along the coast. And it is a big deal because it hasn't happened since 2009. It's only the third time in history that it's happened. And it's a big part of their income every year. You write that local fishermen have been foretelling the end of their profession for years. Now that might actually be coming true. Is gloom just like a hallmark of the trade or why have they been expecting the end for years? Well, it is. it does seem to be a hallmark of the trade. I was sort of hinting at that in the story because I do hear that constantly and I've been covering this industry about a decade or so. But there have been some really major issues in the last decade. Since around 2014, 2015, there's been really one disaster after another. There was a harmful algal bloom around that time. There have been two different droughts. Then a little more complicated issue is whale migration patterns have changed because of warming ocean temperatures and that has brought the whales closer to where the fishermen are and that has required fishermen to not fish as much during their usual season for crabs. Help me understand how some of these things are connected. You write that salmon season was closed because of a cascade of issues starting with the drought. As you just mentioned, the drought impacted this year's fish. You write that the impact came when they were babies three years ago. What has a drought got to do with baby fish? Drought has a really big impact on salmon in our state, not just the kind we eat, but there's endangered populations too that are impacted by drought. And it has to do with the life cycle of salmon. The salmon that are adults are three years old, but when they were babies, they were in the Sacramento River. And if during drought, 
there's less water in the river, and that increases the temperature of the river. And that can have a big impact on salmon reproduction because the salmon spawn in the Sacramento River. So if there's a drought and the temperatures are high, the population is smaller. But it's a three-year you know, cycle. So it does. it's three years later that the impact is felt on the adult population. The drought can impact a lot of other native fish that aren't necessarily part of commercial fishing. For example, there's steelhead, trout, there are other types of salmon that aren't fished for food. And then there are smaller fish in the delta in the bay that are impacted by, you know, when there's less water coming through the river. It's not just about the drought. It's also about how water managers choose to, you know, distribute water that is there. And fishermen would say that too much of the water goes to big farms, that they get the water before, you know, it's time for the salmon to spawn. And that's part of the issue that, Mm. yeah. So there's inter-industry tensions here as well. Everybody's competing for limited resources. Exactly. There's other impacts to the state's Department of Fish and Wildlife said there would be low numbers of salmon this year because of prolonged drought, but also severe wildfires and associated impacts to spawning and rearing habitat, harmful algal blooms, and ocean forage shifts. Same question for wildfires. What do wildfires have to do with salmon spawning? So wildfire can cause problems in in salmon habitat, especially small streams, Because after a wildfire, there aren't as many trees. And so when it rains, there can be more erosion and more sediment gets sent into the rivers. So the the environment is impacted that way. Should we think of all of these things as related because of climate change or just disparate things happening at the same time? I think what we're seeing is a lot of the predictions around climate change include more severe drought, marine heat waves, wildfires. So these are all happening, scientists would say, as a result of climate change. They are happening, though, at different times and in different ways. You can't really tie them all together, necessarily. In addition to navigating a changing environment, fishers are dealing with restrictions. We'll discuss the impact of regulation after a break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Tara, we've talked about the various effects of climate change on fish and crab, as well as on other species that fishers have to be mindful of. But the fishermen that you talk to are also blaming tighter regulations for their struggles. Can you explain what their concerns are? Yeah, I mean, fishermen do always complain about regulations, and they do talk about how they're the most dedicated stewards of the ocean. You know, they need the ocean to be healthy for their business to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I want to stress that California is one of the most well-regulated, you know, states for fishing. So when you do purchase seafood, it's very, very well managed. Mm 
For example, with the salmon season, one of the fishermen I talked to said he's been out fishing for other fish and he's seen crazy amounts of anchovies in the water and he's seen these salmon just swarming over the anchovies. So he's seen, you know, tons of salmon, but he can't touch them because of these regulations. Mm. A lot of salmon fishermen feel like the the way that the estimates are done on the population is not really up to date. So they don't really believe that the salmon season needed to close. That's one example. Is there a conflict here between regulating kind of big business fisheries versus small independent business people who where the person going out catching the fish is the person selling it off the pier to you? I mean, are they getting caught up kind of in this? I didn't mean to make this pun, but it's coming out anyway, dragnet of regulation. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Well, I mean, the the majority of fishermen in California are smaller fishermen. You know, the majority of the ones that are doing salmon and crab fishing are smaller boats. There are some big ones that come in during those seasons, but the Department of Fish and Wildlife and the federal folks who manage these fisheries are basing it on, you know, very specific data, numbers, it's not necessarily to protect the environment from big business. It's more to make sure these populations continue to survive in their view. We've been talking about how this affects fishermen and their business and things like that. This is a, I think you wrote, $200 million industry in California. How does it affect the consumers? I mean, what does it mean for consumers that the season is closed and that this might happen again and that populations are impacted and that we keep seeing these effects of the fallout of climate change? I mean, people love Dungeness crab and salmon. What's it mean for them? Yeah, especially when I cover the Dungeness crab season, there's just a lot of interest in whether or not it's going to open, if it'll open on time for Thanksgiving, which it hasn't done for many years. You know, what I'm noticing is, for example, I interviewed Shane Lucas, who owns a restaurant called The Fishitarian in Bodega Bay. It's a very popular spot. He had to buy farm-raised salmon for the first time in his career. He's a third-generation fishing, not a fisherman now, but out of a fishing family. What you see is there's just very little local seafood, almost Anywhere. I mean, I did a story about Monterey Bay, Cannery Row, trying to find restaurants that serve local fish in this traditional, you know, fishing port. It's actually surprisingly hard to find. It's a, become a specialty item. It's expensive because it's it's hard to find, and only certain restaurants, for example, carry would carry wild salmon in the last few years because of the cost. So it's just, it's a it's an amazingly healthy, rich, wonderful, f- you know, food source that's right in our backyard, but it's becoming harder and harder to access. And meanwhile, we're importing something like 80% of the seafood we eat. Wow. From outside of the country. Wow. Okay. You know, we're talking about how delicious salmon are. They are not the only fish in the ocean, but consumers are kind of acting like they are, (laughs) at least according to one person in the business that you spoke with. Why aren't fishermen just pivoting to other offerings? 
Yeah, I heard a lot of frustration about that because summer is actually a big time for a lot of different types of fish in our area. There's albacore tuna, black cod, sometimes called sablefish, rockfish, which is it's becoming more abundant than it was in the past. So anyway, those are all available right now, but fishermen are having a really hard time getting a decent price for them. It, it's a little bit complicated. Partly has to do with the Asian market because we do export a lot of our fish to Asia, and apparently that's not doing so well right now. Also, the cost of fuel is really, really high, so it's hard for them to make enough money on these fish that aren't they're not getting a good price on. And it's a little mysterious to me why they're not selling, but salmon has this very strong appeal. You know, it's rich and delicious and pink, and it's got all these qualities that people are really drawn to. So in a similar vein, if fishermen have such negative outlooks about the industry, there's a lot of doom and gloom, conditions are terrible, there's you know environmental concerns that lead to restrictions that also damage fishing operations, why don't they get out of the business? I know. I was asking a lot of them that question, you know, if they knew people who were leaving the business. There might be a few younger folks who are that I've heard about, but most of the people I've talked to have invested so much money in their boats. One guy said he still had to pay something like $13,000 this year for his <gasps> salmon permit, even though he didn't get to fish salmon. Wow. Also licenses. So they they spend so much money and nobody wants to buy a salmon license or a salmon boat right now. So they, so they can't offload stuck. it. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's tough. And, you know, they really love what they do. And the governor tried to ask the federal government for emergency relief for the salmon fishermen, and that probably will happen. But these fishermen are saying they'd rather work than get this, you know, relief money. So, Yeah. Is there anything on the consumer side that can be done? I mean, are fishermen asking people... I mean, basically, like, buy other fish or, or, you know, what can be done outside of wait for the federal government to come in and help out? I would say if you could seek out local fish, there are stores that specialize in local fish like rockfish and black cod. It is available. It's just a little harder to find. You can join delivery service from a local company that brings local seafood and you know, to your neighborhood and you can pick it up. And so there are, I, I would say, if you can seek it out, find the places that sell it and try to support the industry that way if you care about local seafood because it, it could go away. Tara, thanks for talking with me. Okay, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Tara Duggan is a reporter on the Climate and Environment team. Find her work at sfchronicle.com. If you're a regular listener of Fifth and Mission, you probably heard our episode last month about how drug overdoses have touched the lives of people across the Bay Area. This Thursday, Fifth and Mission host Cecilia Lay is taking that conversation live. On September 21st at 6.15 p.m., she'll be hosting a discussion at Manny's in San Francisco with people on the front lines of this crisis about solutions to reduce and end overdose deaths in the Bay Area. Join us. Get your tickets at welcometomannies.com. Thanks to Sarah Feldberg for editing this episode, Gary Baca for mixing the audio, and thanks to you for listening.